Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 220 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 1 Corinthians chapter 7 today and alert, the podcast is rated PG-13 because our topic is, is it better to be single and should Christian husbands and wives ever stop having sex? Well, We are going to talk about sex today, and I thought about using a euphemism for sex like intimacy or something like that, but I think I'm just going to say the word straight up, so do be warned. A bit of an adult conversation today. Every day we dig into the Word of God chapter by chapter, sometimes two chapters, and we usually pick one or two topics from that chapter, and that's the reason why we're discussing singleness and sex today, because that's All of what 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is about. If we discussed something else, we would be uh, going away from the main thrust of the chapter. I do want to point you out to our website, Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. You can subscribe to the show there. You can check out uh, show notes for every episode, including this one. And if you'd like, you can contact us with a question or a comment or uh, a... uh, a barb about doing an episode on sex from a Bible podcast. Well, I know the title is a little uh, tantalizing. My bad. I realize there's a slight double entendre there, but the fact is that the Bible talks quite openly and regularly about sex and even more encourages and commands Christian married people to have sex with each other. So I don't think I need to edit the title or the topic of today's podcast because marriage sex is good and it's wholesome and godly and commanded and right. Three cheers. Okay, maybe I should stop right there. I do know some of you might be eager to talk about Uh, our main topic today, but let's talk about singleness first. Well, years ago in a church I pastored, we had a guest speaker one time who was a single guy. The church was loaded with young families and millions of kids, but not very many single people. And though it wasn't the focus of his message, the single guy, in reading from our passage today, 1 Corinthians 7, did point out that the Apostle Paul said that it was better for people to be single rather than married. Well, that, to put it mildly, was a controversial sermon, and I got a call the next day from a concerned dad who told me that he was uncomfortable with what was said about it being better for a Christian to be single rather than married. Now, I listened understandingly, given the fact that I myself was married, and I read the caller one of the verses in question. It's 1 Corinthians 7.38, where Paul says, He who marries his fiancée does well, but he who does not marry will do better. Well, in context, and in that one single verse, it's quite clear that Paul is saying that it is better to be single than to be married. Now, is Paul's statement somewhat time-limited or geographically limited to uh, whatever kind of situation the Corinthians were going through at the time? Well, I suppose that's possible in a sense, but honestly, the context of what Paul said is that a single man or woman has undivided interests and is able to serve God more wholeheartedly which seems to be a timeless reality. So, is it better to be single? Yes, says the Word of God. But do pay attention to the other part of that verse and the other part of the chapter. It is well. It's good to be married. It's good to get married. It's a good thing. It's not good for a man to be alone, says the Word of God. Marriage is good. Singleness is better. But, says Paul, 
If you're burning with desire, go ahead and get married. It's not a sin. It's a good thing. It's just that a single person can serve God better. And that's a good thing. I I think the church largely undervalues single people, whereas the Bible would steer us away from that. And uh, by the way, I think many Catholics and some other denominations have gone way too far with this, uh, forbidding priests to be married, which the Bible does not forbid. In fact, the Bible says you must get married if you burn with sexual desire. And I think one of the things we're seeing in the Catholic Church is the results of uh, making, of of going beyond what the Bible commands in uh, a multi-decade sexual assault scandal among the priests. Now, I'm not saying that's the only reason, but I do think it plays a factor when you don't follow what the Word of God says. Uh, or you add to the word of God in this case, well, you risk some sort of trouble. Now, if you're married and the fact that Paul says it's better to be single challenges you a little bit, I do want to invite you to send your complaints to paul at heaven.com, remembering that I didn't write the Bible. Anyway, second topic, the sex one. I joked at the beginning of 1 Corinthians a few days ago that many husbands' favorite Bible verse was in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5, and I would imagine it's also the favorite Bible verse of some wives. I don't want to be um, exclusionary there. 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5 says, A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. Do not deprive one another except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Well, it's pretty simple. Husbands and wives are to have sex with each other. They are forbidden to deprive each other with one exception when they both agree. That's key there. Both agree to take some time off to be devoted to prayer. And I note again, there must be agreement on that topic. Now, allow me to point out that this passage does not specify how often Christian married people should have sex. So we need to be really careful about legalism either way. A spouse that uses this command to demand sex every day is honestly overdoing it and being ridiculous. So we mustn't use this passage to beat our spouses over the head. That said, let's briefly break down some of the truths that are in this passage. I see four major ones and several others as well. Number one, both husbands and wives have sexual duties to each other. Duty probably isn't the right word there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's the word the CSB uses. We often think of duty as something bad. I would say a delightful duty. So let's say husbands and wives have delightful sexual duties to each other. Now, I tend to think that this means that a husband should not seek to fulfill his own pleasure, but should seek to fulfill the pleasures of his wife sexually, serving her needs and desires, and vice versa. The wife should do the same thing for the husband. Number two, a wife does not have the right to her own body, but her husband does. Sexist alert, Paul, you pig. Uh Oh, wait. Let's keep reading because we're going to find out a a husband does not have the right to his own body. The wife does. Well, how about that? It's very interesting. Number three, not engaging in sexual intimacy deprives your spouse. 
Number four, not engaging in sexual intimacy opens up your marriage to the temptation of Satan. So, my friends, this means that there should never be a sexless Christian marriage. Sex is a gift. It's a good thing. And husbands and wives must strive to serve each other in this way, seeking the good of their spouse and not their own good. Now, one other thing on sex, the first mention of sex in the Bible. Anybody know where it is? Yes, you over there in Greenland. You got it. Just kidding. Genesis 4.1 is the first mention of sex in the Bible. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. And yes, I know that the word sex isn't used here, but that is clearly what is meant. And the word that the Bible uses to describe sex here in many other places is the Hebrew word yada, and it means to know. Now, this tells us something incredibly important about sex. It tells us that sex is a way that we know each other better, which is why the Christian Standard Bible uses the word intimate to translate yada in Genesis 4.1. Sex is designed, at least in part, for relationship between husband and wife, for knowing each other in the deepest way possible. This is one of the reasons why I believe that sex is restricted to only happening between a husband and wife. Sex is the deepest form of knowing somebody that exists, the most intimate connection possible. And it's not possible to have that kind of connection with multiple people. And if you try, it'll tear your psyche up. In sex, the two literally, physically and spiritually, like genuinely become one. Sex is a gift that increases oneness, unity, intimate knowledge in marriage, and Christians must not deprive each other of this. It's not just about a physical release or physical pleasure, though in marriage, neither of those things are wrong. They are right. They're good. But sex isn't just about fulfilling your sex drive. It's also about intimate knowledge and oneness with your spouse. Sex is God's gift to us to know our spouses in a better way and a deeper way. Well, let's read our passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now, in response to the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because sexual immorality is so common, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman should have sexual relations with her own husband. A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does in the same way. A husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. Do not deprive one another except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all people were as I am, but each has his own gift from God. One person has this gift, another has that. I say to the unmarried and to widows, it is good for them to, if they remain as I am. But if they do not have self-control, they should marry, since it is better to marry than to burn with desire. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to leave her husband, but if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife, but I, not the Lord, say to the rest, if any brother has an unbelieving wife and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. Also, if any woman has an unbelieving husband and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce her husband. For the unbelieving husband is made holy by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. A brother or sister is not bound in such cases. 
God has called you to live in peace. Wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. Let each one live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him. This is what I command in all the churches. Was anyone already circumcised when he was called? He should not undo his circumcision. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? He should not get circumcised. Circumcision does not matter and uncircumcision does not matter. Keeping God's commands is what matters. Let each of you remain in the situation in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. But you were brought at a price. Do not become slaves of people. Brothers and sisters, each person is to remain with God in the situation in which he was called. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I do give an opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is faithful. Because of the present distress, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The time is limited. So from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they don't own anything. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it for this This world in its current form is passing away. I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. If any man thinks he is acting improperly toward the virgin he is engaged to, if she's getting beyond the usual age for marriage and he feels he should marry, he can do what he wants. He's not sinning. They can get married. But he who stands firm in his heart, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and has decided in his heart to keep her as his fiance, will do well. So then, he who marries his fiance does well, but he who does not marry will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband is living, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to anyone she wants, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, in my opinion, and I think that I also have the Spirit of God. Amen. Well, there is so much in that passage we could have talked about, but we try to at least stay in the neighborhood of a 10-minute podcast, so we'll have to save that for another time. Let's do close, though, with our Bible memory verses for the month of August, which is 1 Corinthians 13, 4-6, Love is patient. Love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. Well, good day to you, friends. Sorry, we went a couple of minutes over today. I thought the topic was pretty important. And Godspeed.